Welcome to Anxiety and the Artist, the podcast that explores artist's relationship with anxiety, offering insight and inspiration. I'm your host, Allison Sheff. My guest today is David Glazebrook. David is an author, yoga instructor, and professional emergency manager. He is a former military officer with a bachelor's in sociology, a master's in business, and a master's in homeland security and terrorism. After dealing with injuries and PTSD from his military career, David discovered yoga as a way to strengthen and calm his body, mind, and soul. He eventually became a yoga instructor and is now the co-owner of Yoga on York in York, Maine. He is also the author of Are You Zombie Ready? A Practical Guide to Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse. Dave, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll just start at the very beginning. Tell sure. us a little bit about your background and uh, your experience with PTSD. Sure. Well, um, as you so aptly stated, uh, I joined the Army out of high school. I was 18 years old. Uh, so I was uh, the lowest rank in the Army, E1. Um, and then um, over many years, uh, just, you know, nights, weekends, I went to school and I became an officer and then uh, I did my tour in Iraq. Uh, when I was in Iraq, um, as you stated, I was an infantry platoon leader in downtown Baghdad in a place called Haifa Street in uh, 2004. Uh, Haifa Street was one of those places that uh, while I was there, Fallujah was at its height, uh, Sadr City and a few other places. So uh, when I was there, the number one spot hotspot for Iraq, if you will, kept flipping between Fallujah, Sadr City, and a few other places. But number two stayed the same just about the entire time. That was Haifa Street. Hmm. And so uh, Haifa Street was um, right downtown Baghdad. It's considered the old part of Baghdad. So it's a, it's got a lot of modern uh, Soviet-style Soviet old block buildings. But right behind it, it's got all these slums and alleyways. So we used to have to patrol these alleyways a lot. Um, there was a lot of money in the area and a lot of uh, upset people in the area. Hmm. And a lot of people willing to do things for money. So um, we had uh, our, definitely our handful of uh, firefights and uh, things going on. One of the biggest ones uh, was on uh, September 11th of uh, 2004, uh, People could actually Google it, the, the firefight on Haifa Street. I was actually uh, in the middle of that one. Hmm. Uh, so my PTSD developed from that. So uh, you get back from Iraq, and uh, now this is in 2004. So the, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan was still relatively new. But PTSD was one of those things that they had started to recognize was an issue. So they were trying to help soldiers uh, when they get back. And we, d we would go through all these screenings and... Uh, briefings and things of that nature. And eventually they, you know, they try to get people help. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's one of those things that, you know, some of the things that I had to do and uh, my soldiers had to do, you know, it's, it's like, I, I would tell them like, listen, guys, if you don't have PTSD after some of the stuff we did, yeah, I'd have to question that. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's odd. So mm -hmm. um, that's where it stemmed from. Uh, I got out of the army uh, in 2006. So I spent 13 years active duty. Uh, I got out medically, just uh, my back was messed up, my hip was messed up, uh, but not for PTSD. And then, um, so I got out and I uh, uh, came home to uh, Massachusetts at the time. And I, uh, I knew an old friend of mine or uh, a friend of mine in high school, his father was a Vietnam vet. So I reached out to him and said, you know, hey, you know, can I can't kind of hang out with you guys and, 
you know, pick your brain on what I should be doing. And uh, so I went to the VFW and uh, after some, some, cause it's just what army people do and, or vets do in general. We just, we have to make fun of each other for about a half hour. And then <laughs> after about a half hour, <laughs> they go, have you been to the vet center? And I said, uh, yeah, I've been to the VA. And they said, no, 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 no. You go to the vet center. Vet center is a, uh, it's actually under the VA, but it's separate. So it's funded by the VA, but it does not answer to the VA. And literally their purpose in life uh, is to help vets navigate the, uh, the VA and help mm. them get the benefits that they're, uh, they need. Mm-hmm. So um, I went to the vet center uh, in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts, and uh, they sat me down. They said, do you have PTSD? And I said, you know, no, because I, I you know, I, I, you know, yeah, I have it, but it's nothing, you know, it's, it's, I'm fine. Right. So, okay. Well, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, um, we're going to have you write three stories down uh, describing when your life was in danger or you felt you were in danger. So, okay. So after one story, they told me to stop. That was enough. Uh, <laughs> they said, nope, that's good. That's good. Um, and then what they do is they actually have lawyers uh, that work pro bono for them. And they send it off to the VA and they, they fight it for you. And then I got a thing back from the VA saying, guess what? You have a disability in PTSD. Like, okay. So what? So I just kind of went out about my business. Um, and I could tell you just from uh, the transition, for me, the onset was kind of slow, I think. Mm-hmm. Or at least I didn't recognize it. I, and I, think, I don't think I would have recognized it as much as if I was in the military as to when I became a civilian. So, uh, and there's a, there's an expectation, at least in the military that, you know, and, and it's not anything people are trying to, to propagate. It's just the nature of the military. So that PTSD is some sort of, a, a, at least the time when I was in a weakness, uh, hmm. it means you're scared. It means, uh, you, you know, you shudder and you, you freeze. And, uh, and that's kind of what I thought PTSD was also. Hmm. Uh, and as I kind of went along my journey with the VA, um, or I should just say my journey in life, I just noticed like I was very angry all the time, hmm. very angry. And to the exact opposite of what, what I was thinking of PTSD was, uh, you know, I wanted to kick everybody's ass. Right. You know, you know I mean, that, that no one's going to tell me no, no mm-hmm. one's going to get in my way. Um, and I'll attack. Mm-hmm. I will, you know, not necessarily physically, but at least, you know, even mentally attack things. And uh, to me, it was my, my on switch was always on. It's always on. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, over time, uh, that's what I got. To, I finally got to, a, when I moved up here, I took the job here at the shipyard uh, as the emergency manager. Uh, the, uh, I went to see a psychiatrist up here. And I said, well, yeah, Dave, anger is part of depression. Hmm. And like a light bulb went off. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Oh, okay. I said, yeah. So you need some help here. You know, um, what do what can we do to help you? Uh, and t- to compound all this, you know, the the injuries I had maintained over the thirteen years in the army was, you know, I I couldn't run anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, walking was starting to become difficult. Uh, so you know, I, I'd walk for 10, 20 minutes, and then you know, I, I had to sit down. Hmm. Uh, you know, and I'm a at the time, you know, a thirty two year old man. Right. And, um, which spirals the depression even further because, right. uh, especially with the military, I kept a very physical persona and that was a lot of my worth. Uh, right. and so, you know, I was getting out of shape and all this stuff. So, um, 
Uh, that's well, you know, we can get into the yoga if you, uh, if you want to hear, but I, I that's kind of where I, I ended up being. And I had to be on medication for a while uh, mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's the only thing that kind of kept me from attacking everything. So what brought you to yoga? So with, with, uh, the PTSD, I, uh, it just came, uh, brought to my attention, like, you know, you, your physical body is not, it's failing you now. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't want to go to the gym and just lift weights. I, I've never been kind of one of those people that just lifted weights. Uh, I couldn't run anymore. Even riding a bike was starting to become difficult. So uh, someone said, well, why don't you try yoga? You know, and my first reaction was, yeah, this isn't just for women. I mean, <laughs> the flexibility and bendy stuff. And honestly, I don't want to go there in a room full of women and just look like a jerk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but... I kind of had no choice. Uh, mm-hmm. There was really nothing else in the area that was available to us uh, or me. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, So there was a, a local yoga studio, Yoga on York, uh, that I went to, uh, begrudgingly, but I went. And I got into the first class, and I'll always remember because uh, people were very nice. And I was like, well, who the hell are these people, and why are they so nice to me? Is <laughs> Right. Why are they asking me how my day is? What do they care? Because <laughs> <laughs> yoga people are in general nice people. Right. But, you know, I'm like, you know, who the hell are you? So right. um, I did the class and it was very challenging um, and I hated it. <laughs> I absolutely hated it uh, because there was, I, I wasn't used to the movements. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was kicking my butt. Um, mm-hmm. And then at the end, they said, go ahead and close your eyes in a room full of strangers. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, that's, that's not going to happen. Huh. Uh, so, uh, I absolutely hated it, but there was a couple things the teacher said in the class and a couple things I took away from it that made me come back. And what were those things? So the first thing was that I fell out of a lot of poses. Okay. Just, I couldn't, I couldn't stay in them. And she, she kept saying, and she wasn't just saying it to me. She was just saying it in general. It's okay. If you fall out, just come back in. Hmm. Oh, okay. So I didn't feel judged. Uh, and the other thing was I got a good workout out of it. Hmm. I felt, I sweated, I, I, I felt good. So even though I didn't like it per se, uh, you know, people were nice and they tell me to close my eyes and breathe. And I'm like, oh, whatever. I'm not into all this hippie stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I came back and it was about after the third time I said, okay, I like this, but I really just liked it for the physical part. Uh, that's, that's what got me into it. I was getting a workout mm-hmm. and that's what kept, kept me coming back. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kicking my own butt and um, I'm seeing some results. So at what point did you maybe notice a shift in your, in your attitude, in your, in maybe that anger that you were feeling? Um, like at what point did maybe the, that Eastern or the yoga philosophy sort of start to resonate with you beyond um, just the physical? Yeah. So a lot of the teachers would, uh, they'd mention philosophy here and there in the studio, which I kind of ignored, mm-hmm. uh, but it was, you know, cause I was like, you know, oh, whatever, you know? Um, and it wasn't until I started, uh, I liked some of the breathing aspects of it and it was just like exhaling through the mouth stuff. 
like you know, not not like these, you know, some of these crazy things you see on Amazon where you know their bellies rolling around or they're sticking their tongues out or anything <laughs> like that. Well, see, so just exhale through the mouth. Right. Okay. And I noticed that when I did that, I did feel calmer. And hmm. what I started to do was take that action off the mat and say, okay, when I feel starting to get tense, upset, angry, I just exhaled through the mouth. And I said, well, maybe there's something to this breath stuff. Hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah. Like maybe there's something to actually trying to relax. And um, that from there just kind of grew where I wanted to know more about okay. that. Um, and I started asking questions of the teachers and go, well, what is this breath and what does this do? And, you know, uh, and then that guy comes into the meditative part of it. And it kind of just grew from there uh, where I was like, OK, if I just exhale through the mouth sometimes, I'll feel better. Hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's where I started to get it from. Uh, okay. Slowly but surely. It took me probably about a year or so before I started to really recognize that on a daily basis. Interesting. Coming up, anxiety in the midst of COVID and surviving the zombie apocalypse. So I think it's safe to say that people are very on edge these days. Just a little. <laughs> Just, just a, little, a little, you know, just a couple things going on. Yeah, you know. Um, given your dual background, you've got such this like yin and yang background yeah. of, you know, you're a professor of emergency management yeah. and counterterrorism or counter what, what terrorism your, studies. Terrorism studies, sorry. Yeah, um, and you're also a yoga instructor yeah. and you've got this whole Eastern philosophy thing going <laughs> on. So given that this duality of your background, what um, advice or insight would you have to someone who's struggling with anxiety, especially in regards to the current state of our country? And yeah, the world? Um, I would say the first thing is, is, you know, if you're really, really struggling, get help. You, you know, um, you, you don't have to be alone and you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Get help. See a professional. So I just, you know, if you really are struggling, please see somebody. It doesn't even have to be, uh, if you have to call a friend first, call a friend first. Um, the other thing is be kind to yourself. So Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, I'm a big student of history. And where we're living right now is a very small piece of history. It's very big to us right now because we're in the middle of it. But mm -hmm. 200 years from now, when they're reading history pages, it might just be a paragraph. 2020, this happened. Oh, thanks. You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, it might, it might not mean anything in the grand scheme of things. And I, I, I be kind to yourself. It's okay if you get upset at things. It's okay if sometimes, hey, I take a step back. You know, I, I didn't today. I didn't manage my PTSD or my my anxiety well, and that's okay. But just recognize it. Mm -hmm. Um, and just say, okay, I'll, I'll have to do better next time. Mm -hmm. Um, and the other thing is, is, you know, that support group, but, you know, finding what you love and trying to find that purpose will help you stay on some path. I'm not saying you just have to have one purpose. You could have 20 purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, 
it, it, it's helped me like, you know, Hey, you know, is this something that I should be doing? Is this my strong suit? You know? So, um, it, you know, if someone said, Hey Dave, you know, uh, we want you to open, uh, uh, you know, we have an opportunity for you to buy a, a, uh, uh, a car, uh, you know, car sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably not for me. Not a great salesman. It's not what I, I just don't, I do I have trouble like, you know, Salesmen, I mean, I don't want to say they lie, but they definitely have to sugarcoat things. Mm-hmm. It's just not who I am. So I'm not going to go on that path. It doesn't mean I'm a failure. No, it just means I understand myself. Um, but like I said, you know, if you find that your own purpose, and it could take some time, be kind to yourself if you fail and you've it, it screwed up, and talk to other people, and then, you know, the usual stuff. So like I, I, liked, I like to read. Mm-hmm. I read a lot of history and, uh, and this is both, you can do this both with reading history and then also physically take a step back and look at things. It's okay to take a breath. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's not wrong to say, you know, I'm not going to just act on this right now. And it, the trick is to be able to identify when you're starting to get revved up, your anxiety starting to become overwhelming and now you're going to make decisions that are going to be counter to what you want. Mm-hmm. So that could be paralyzation or that can be, you know, too aggressive. Mm-hmm. If you can find that point, and that might just be take a couple ex- exhales. Don't make a decision when you're mad. Don't make a decision when you're anxious. And if that means you miss an opportunity, well, maybe that's mean, maybe the opportunity wasn't meant for you. I kind of want to ask you about your book too, okay, go ahead. <laughs> if that's okay. Um, so, okay. So you, you wrote this book, <laughs> which I think is hysterical. Well, the title is hysterical. I'm sure yeah, the subject yeah. matter is not. Yeah. Um, but tell us just a little bit about um, what sort of motivated you to write that book and, and what, and how it came about. Okay. So, well, you know, um, I'm an emergency manager by trade. So, uh, you know, it's one of the, and so an emergency manager, we're always thinking about the bad stuff. So, <laughs> so my job is to think about what's the worst thing that can happen here and how do we get ready for it? So I thought like, well, zombies, zombies are <laughs> pretty bad. And, um, that's really, and I just thought, you know, like, you know, you see all these movies and, you know, even the funny ones, but like, you know, like well, that, you know, especially being ex-military, like, that wouldn't mm-hmm. happen. That's not how that works. They would be dead quite quickly. You know? <laughs> right. So, right. Um, I tried to put like, you know, and it's, it's, it's a guide to survive the zombie apocalypse, but it's a guide to survive really anything from, hey, my power's been out for three days to, you know, yeah, the zombie apocalypse. Um, I do give some rules in there. Like I, I, I have my three rules of survival. So the, the, the first rule is fear no man, but give mother nature a wide berth. <laughs> uh, you know, never make yourself part of the food chain. So this is why I don't go into the ocean very much. So I, I'm not going to make myself part of the food chain. And then always have some sort of tool on you. So, you know, maybe like, like a Leatherman, uh, some sort of knife or something like that. You always need to have those things on you. If you do those three things, you're going to probably be okay. Because, yeah, if you make yourself part of the food chain, it's not going to end well. And then, uh, you know, and Mother Nature is going to do whatever Mother Nature wants to do. And she don't care about you at all. So <laughs> please, you know, like, 
hey, look, it's a hurricane. Let me go outside and dance in the puddles. Good luck. Right. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to say? You know, what can I, don't, don't take everything so seriously. Um, it's, it is hard, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to downplay, you know, what's going on in the world and uh, that you shouldn't take some action to do some things. But perspective is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And when we look at things in that pers- in a different perspective, so either trying to understand someone else's point of view or trying to take a step back, I think is something that is solely missed in, uh, sorely missed, excuse me, in this world, uh, that we don't listen to each other anymore. We just spow whatever we're spouting at the time uh, on Instagram or Facebook or God knows where. And we're very quick to judge. And I'm included on that. I see things and it gets me upset. And I, I think that if yoga can teach you one thing is to take that step back, to take that moment of pause. Uh, yoga is not about finding peace uh, when there's already peace. It's about finding peace in the chaos. Dave, thank you so much for being here today oh, and sharing you. your your wisdom and your insight and your vulnerability. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks to my guest, David Glazebrook. For more information on some of the topics we discussed or to learn more about Yoga on York, head on over to our website, anxietyandtheartist.com. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and share. Until next time, be healthy and stay creative. Anxiety in the Artist is produced by Grost Productions and recorded at Homestead Studios. Music and engineering is by Bosco Chef. This podcast represents the opinions of Allison Chef and her guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Mm-hmm.